0: New episodes are added every weekday in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
1: Turning our attention to how we might adapt to the new and changing environment we find ourselves in in 2022. And sometimes this relates to small business and it can relate to all sorts of areas of our lives. Lots of us have felt the sting of COVID over these past two years and in a fast-changing world, we can't afford to let uncertainty and confusion rule. So if you're feeling uncertain, if you're feeling confused about the way forward, you're recognising there are things that are changing around us. Uh, Look for some wisdom in our conversation today. The way we function in the marketplace needs to change just as fast as the world around us. Managing change is always a challenge. So business confidence and consumer confidence, these might be important elements of how our economy functions, and no doubt they are similar in the way the principles evolve that apply to churches or ministries and all manner of organisations that we might be part of. Well, Christina Dean leads UniForte. Specialising in business and organisational change management, she is a trainer, a coach, a mentor, a Telstra Woman of the Year finalist, whose experience of God in business has been part of her inspiration to succeed. Christina, a special welcome along to 2020.
2: Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks for having me.
1: Christina, let's start perhaps with a few thoughts about you and your story because uh, you've got a wonderful story to tell mm-hmm. and the way God has been at work in the pursuits that you've had throughout your career. Give us a little idea of the Christina story.
2: I think I was uh, like most people up until up until a, a defining point in my life and it happened about 30 years ago actually, which is... Uh, which seems like an awfully long time ago now, but I remember it distinctly. I was the deputy general manager for the first Gold Coast IndyCar Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, I would take like 15 calls in 15 minutes. And uh, my boss, who was an engineer, called me in and said, you know, Christina, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. I'm thinking, I'm flat strap here. I can't do anymore. What am I? And so I ran out onto the roof of the building that we're in and I said, God, what's wrong with me? And some would say, well, you asked for it, Christina. Um, and so he showed me. And so from that time on, he's been guiding my life in a very tangible way. When I finished at the Gold Coast Indy, uh, it was the early 90s, and, um, and there was such high employment, unemployment everywhere. We had like a blabla, about 15% unemployment just on the Gold Coast. And I joined those ranks. So for the first time in my life, I was unemployed for 13 months. Now get this, the very next job I got was working at the Gold Coast City Council, working with 700 long-term unemployed people to help them get their skates on again.
1: And so the lessons that you learn in a 13-month hiatus, a time when you're actually going through all sorts of challenging times and working through those and what that means. And I'll ask you about your faith in all of that. But all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you'll be encouraging people who probably felt just like you.
2: Absolutely. I, I knew exactly what they needed. If I hadn't had that experience, I would not have had the empathy. I would have not have had the knowledge to know exactly what they needed to have happen. And so as a result of that, um, I developed a program uh, and federal government said, well, how are you getting such great results? I said, because you don't have any KPIs and I do. And <laughs> and so we, we just got some really, really great results for our people. Nothing was more joyful to us as a team than to see people get a new job and to see their life come back into action again. And uh, and, and to this day, I think that that was really my defining moment. I understood from that time on that God had had me under control.
1: So how do people feel when they're in that boat? Uh, when you're at the lowest point, perhaps sometimes people might say, this is the lowest point of my life. Mm. I've never been without a job. Mm-hmm. I've never had a business that wasn't making a profit. But mm-hmm. in these last two years, I've taken a real hit. Exactly. I've never had the sort of strains and stresses that have come into my family life. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when you're in that boat?
2: Terrified terrified especially if you like I had a little girl who was only four at the time so it wasn't just about me it was about her too so uh, providing her with stability and some sanity around the household as well as trying to stay on the pace myself every day to see well what can I do what can I do what can I do um, and at the end of the day I realized that one of the things that I had to do was to actually take the reins and to get back into into the race again and uh, I remember saying to God you know, here I am. I've, I've, I've. All my savings are gone. You know, the money that I had when it started, my savings are all gone, um, and I'm within five hundred dollars of bankruptcy. If I don't get a job this week, Lord, um, I'm, you know, I'm out on the street. And so I took the rein, the, the horse by the reins, and rang up this guy who'd been stalling me for some time, and I said, "Look, I'm either starting in your organization on Monday morning, or I'm moving to Brisbane. Which is it going to be?" And he said, well, you better come in and start with us on Monday morning then. So if I hadn't been bold like that in the Lord, if I hadn't actually stepped out and said, this is what I need to do, you know, that it would have been history. I, I, so the thing is here, I could have been a victim in it all and just said, oh, well, God will do it, God will do it, God will do it. What God was working on was on my soul, but it was actually up to me to get my head right and my body right and to actually step up and just take the reins. And I've been doing that ever since.
1: Christina, I think listeners can hear that in your story and they can hear your heart and the way you're communicating that you've got a certain assertiveness about you and you can pick up the phone to that potential employer and say, uh, is it on or is it off? If I don't hear from you right now, I'm, I'm moving on. But there'd be a lot of people who are saying, well, I don't have that assertiveness. I just somehow or other take a hit and, uh, and, and I feel like I'm down all the time. What's got to change in me? Because, you know, we can talk about, uh, change and practices and things, but isn't there something on the Absolutely. inner side of the person, the, yeah. the heart, the, uh, the assertive nature that we need to have to be able to get back on track?
2: Absolutely. I knew that he was still my my best shot at this job. He was still the best job that was available to me at that time. It would cause me the, less, the least amount of moving around, the least, least disruption to my child and uh, and the least disruption to me and it was a job that I really wanted to do. Um, and uh, I really felt that that, that, that was my job.s So calling him up and saying it to him like that kind of demonstrated uh, that I had courage and that I would go the distance and that um, so... You know, and in that, uh, I think that there was something in that that he kind of picked up on as well. she'll make this work um because she's making this work for herself and she's not afraid. I was terrified to make that call because what if you said no? Mm. However, I already had no, I could only get yes.
1: There are those though who might say, <clears throat> it's all very well to hear from someone who was already working in a fairly high powered role and uh, you might have some qualifications behind you that give you that little bit of extra confidence to be able to face change when it comes. But some people feel as though they're not empowered because they haven't got any qualifications behind them and they don't have a big, long CV of uh, responsible positions. Uh, What are your thoughts for the people at that end?
2: Well, you know, I had been flying by the seat of my pants for a long time before that, Um, uh, so I didn't actually have any qualifications at that time. Um, I didn't didn't know how to manage a project, I had to learn. I didn't know how to manage change, I had to learn. I didn't know how to counsel people, I had to learn. I didn't know how to communicate as I do now and I had to learn. So as soon as I got into that job, Uh, The first thing I decided was that this is never going to happen to me again. And so I enrolled in university and I did an MBA whilst I was doing that contract, which turned from a six-month contract into almost five years that I was doing this work. That gave me ample time to do an MBA. And the thing that I focused on during that MBA was I was fascinated. The Lord planted in me a fascination for how organizations go through transformation now I had a very good understanding from the University of Hard Knocks. So I already had a PhD in what it, what it did to me and how it made me feel, and how it made other people feel to be, you know, uh, terrified, afraid, not knowing where to turn to next. Who where's my next dollar coming from? And so I, I you know, that was something that I then um, uh, I added that onto my MBA learning. And as a result of that, since uh, since 1997. I've been working in government and all sorts of organisations helping them to manage change.
1: Uh, I know there'll be some who will be thinking that PhD in hard knocks, uh, (laughs) that's a really good way to talk about what really you have in the experience of your background if you have taken some hits. And, you know, we're talking just this last couple of years, the sorts of hits that people have taken. Uh, Some might be thinking the hard knocks go way back even beyond uh, the last two years. But Mm -hmm. having this PhD in hard knocks, being an expert, in being knocked down, there's a certain level of uh, resilience or something in the character of a person which actually does get stronger when we go through those hardships. So the hardships, and let's bring God into the picture here too because he's not taken by surprise when we take a hard knock, uh, but those sorts of hardships are doing something to shape the inside of us.
2: Absolutely. And it's at those times that you have to dig down really deep. Now, I come from a family... Uh, I'm the youngest of eight children, and my parents and my seven siblings went through the Second World War. We lived on the border between Holland and Germany, and so it was pretty awful. It was pretty awful stuff. And so when my parents came to Australia, um, I never really realized um, what an incredible act of courage that was. So um, although my family were challenging, they are a, a family of fiefdoms. They have all these fiefdoms. Um, and uh, and I, as the youngest of, of that eight, of those eight children, I I grew up with five elder brothers, and uh, that was really the, uh, the that was my prep school and uh, for the University of Hard Knocks. Actually, you would think that with five brothers, people like to romanticise about these things and say, oh, you know how lovely you had five <laughs> brothers to fawn over you. Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. So um, the things. Of my childhood, I have now, at this stage of my life, understood that all of that was part of God's plan for me. That all of that was part of toughening me up, so that I wouldn't be a wuss. So that I would get up and, and cut it. So that it, if it was up, if it if it, if it is to be, it had to be up to me. And I, I I lived in that in that space within myself where you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. Right up until 2015, which is just six years ago, when I lost, I had a real Job moment. So, Mm. And so, you know, that's still very fresh. And it wasn't until then that I realized that it wasn't actually up to me at all. It was up to God.
1: Relying on God, very, very important, as we say. And in a conversation like this, we can put some substance to that. Let me ask you though, because uh, there's a certain sense in which you are down, when you are down and out, you can have a victimhood mentality. Uh, You can feel like you're the endless victim and I'm never going to be the victor. I'm the one who just gets on the end, the receiving end of all these hard knocks. So my attitude might be actually quite angry about that or I might be emotional every time uh, someone suggests that I should get out and find a job or get back in, you know, behind the wheel of my business and, and make things work. If we're talking about change, if you have those sorts of emotional attitudes, where do we start in turning things around?
2: You have to find somebody to trust. And... Uh... And sometimes the person that you can't, you feel that like the person that you can't trust anymore is yourself. After all, you're behind on your plans, you're behind on your goals, you know, you've had some some, some marital difficulties, you've got difficulties with your children, you lose jobs, you, you you know, there's a great long history that Satan would like to have you believe that all of this adds up to who you are, but it's actually a lie and we really need to get that we really need to know that satan is our enemy and he is so cunning he's so vindictive he's so mean he's you know he's i'm sure that i'm sure that you know he he manipulates facebook and all of those other things you know the the sorts of things that he'll have you believe about yourself but you cannot believe those um And yet, you've got all that evidence, and they say, you know, you, well, evidence proves to the fact that you are a failure, that you are hopeless, that you are this, that you are that. It's simply not true. As a Christian, we are Christ's, we are God's child, and that is the one thing that I had to really learn: whose child I was. Now, that took some years. I have to tell you, that took me some years to kind of get to that point where I sat, where I wake up and I go, no, no. That's rubbish. God said that I'm His child. So where are you today, God? And you know He's always been there for me. But he'll, but He's such a gentleman. He won't sort of step on my toes. He won't come in until I let him in. So you, you know, it's kind of like you've got to let go of this ego thing that it's that says if it's going to be, it's up to me. Because there'll come a point in your time, like Job, like Job felt in his lifetime. Nothing seemed to make any sense as to why that happened to him. It just did, and it can happen to the worst. It can happen to the best of us, and it doesn't matter whether or not you're the CEO of Westpac or you're the CEO of of, of a small business in Springwood, or a sp- small business like I run. Um, unless you can put your trust in somebody other than yourself, and that means putting down your pride. It means saying, "Well, okay, God." Maybe I'm I'm not as hot as I thought I was and maybe well no evidence proves that I'm not as hot as I thought as I was. So how do I climb back on the horse? And so sometimes there have to be these periods of time where God will just take you through and heal your soul. And that's what's been happening to me.
0: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events
1: wonderful to have you along with us. On this Friday edition of 2020, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Christina Dean. Christina leads UniForte and she specialises in business and organisational change management. And if uh, you've heard some of Christina's story in our introduction, you might want to interact with Christina. So 1-800-316-316. In fact, Christina, why don't we take a call straight away? Uh, Dr. Loretta in Coffs Harbour. Loretta, welcome along. Uh, Dr. Loretta Kelly here,
3: yes, how are you?
1: Very well, Loretta. What are your thoughts for our conversation?
3: Um, I just, I felt, wanted to bring an Indigenous perspective into the conversation. Um, I have a PhD in the University of Hard Knocks. Oh, yes. <laughs> As an, As an Aboriginal person, um, I also have a PhD in law, um, so I've done both the academic as well as all the practical experience as well. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to know whether you had any questions for me.
1: Well, uh, you know, if you wanted to pose some sort of scenario that we wanted to talk about, uh, when we talk about uh, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians, uh, yes, there is a school of hard knocks that everyone who identifies uh, as part of our indigenous community is going to uh, going to recognize that they're a part of that. So so from your perspective, Loretta, Uh, Where do you think uh, we might be able to talk about change if it comes to uh, talking about uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders?
3: Um, That's very interesting, uh, change, the whole concept of change. Um, I became a lawyer and I found that it was too adversarial and I was trained in mediation and then I developed Aboriginal-specific mediation models and taught that. Um, throughout Australia, actually, um, so I became um, a peacemaker um, in my community, and I'm um, now um, uh, next month I turn 50, and I become a technically an Aboriginal elder, even though I've had eldership in my community for the last 10 years. Um, we need our elders um, to have a critical role in any change process that's happening in our communities. Um, that's the the first point. Um, funding. Loretta, is, let's
1: just uh, let's yeah. just uh, pick up on that for a few moments and uh, bring our special guest into the conversation. Christina, I'm not sure whether we're throwing you into the deep end uh, to talk through uh, issues around uh, Indigenous Australians and the challenges that they've faced, Uh, but as you hear Loretta reflecting on some of those things, the concept of moving into leadership roles, uh, the thought of leading mediation in order to bring change, uh, these sorts of things are very much a contributing factor on how we might as Christians think about change.
2: Any thoughts? Exactly. We all belong to the same human family, and uh, what you experience is what I experience, and what Neil experiences in his family, and everybody else who ever sits in this chair. We all experience uh, being hurt and injured, and we all we all have uh, ways in which we deal that. Some of, some of us don't um, uh, don't. Um, some of us are robbed of our power. Is probably the best way to put it, or we um, we we behave as if we have been robbed of our power. But I think one of the things that I learned that I have taught so many people is that every day is a day for a fresh start. You know, God is so fantastic every day. And you as an Aboriginal elder, you you know very well that the world turns um, within a universe with, you know, and that the sun comes up every day and we go through the arc of the sun and it, we get the we get to the end of the day, we only have to live one day at a time. Now, it doesn't really matter whether or not you're an Aboriginal or whether or not you're or someone who lives in, in, in Alaska or someone who lives on the, on the equator or sitting right here in this room. We all have only that and we can only manage that within the space of what we think we can control and what we think we can't control. So, you know, I think that my lesson in life has been about I'm not a victim, I can be victorious and it all starts with, with how <clears throat> with how well my soul is doing. And if I don't believe that at some point within myself that I have control over myself, all I need to do is just to have control over over my, my body and my mind and you know, God will take care of my soul.
1: Let's stay with Loretta for a oh, moment. You. Loretta
2: so
3: men- yeah. <laughs> I'm I, I, look, Loretta, I'm assuming so that you're coming from point. a Christian
1: foundation yes. when you called oh, in. I,
3: Yes, definitely. I'm an Aboriginal Christian, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander I am. Um, I go to a Baptist church. I'm a born-again believer. um, But I also believe in my creation stories um, in the dreaming. And we have um, a lot of similarities. We have a Tower of Babel, um, uh, for instance, um, tribal um, scenario, with different tribes and the changing of languages. And so um, I've, I've tried to find commonality in Aboriginal culture and Christianity for me to feel confident as an Aboriginal Christian. But in terms of um, what Christine has been saying, um, I feel there is um, a lot of difference in the way people suffer And depending on the environment, like Christina was saying about, ultimately you can only have control over your body. Well, historically, Aboriginal people, we haven't had control over our bodies. Our land was stolen from us. Many of us died from infections that were brought in, diseases that were brought in. There was a policy of assimilation which was designed to for uh, full-blood Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders to die out and for our people to become assimilated into white culture. So um, we haven't had control over our bodies. We've had, historically, we have the Stolen Generations I was stolen for 10 days, 10 days, and I was sexually abused horrifically in just 10 days. So we do have a lot of pain and suffering. And I understand what Christina is saying. I'm no longer a victim, but I have suffered so much and my people have suffered so much. It's really hard to sing that song one day at a time sweet jesus that's what I'm asking you I love you.
1: the way that you say I'm no longer a victim and I don't think there'll be too many who would say that when hearing from uh, some sectors of activism that victimhood isn't the thing that is being uh, front and center but I love what you're saying and the fact that your Christian faith is a part of where you can say all of those things that are bad things that have happened in our history uh, that you no longer will identify with victimhood. And there'll be a future that you will say is different and partly of there based on the fact that you are in your Christian faith. But I want to come to uh, Christina, your thoughts for Loretta, because you know we're talking about major issues of change here. We
2: are indeed. Um I could, um, as you see, uh, just even in that cough, I don't have control over my body a lot of the time either. But the bit that I can control, I will control. Um, I I certainly understand what you mean by uh, sexual um, abuse um, or physical abuse, and those things do certainly affect the body. But at a certain point, we need to put those things behind us and forgive, as I have done, and to be able to sort of pick up the threads and go from there. Because to look back in the rear vision mirror is to continue to give the person and the perpetrators continually uh, to give them the power that they have had over one's body and over one's uh, future. So there are one in four Australians, not just Indigenous people, but one in four Australian women who have, have been sexually abused before the age of five years old. That is horrendous. So it doesn't just happen to... One specific group, it happens to many groups, and then there are many others who never ever have the opportunity of being able to have guardianship over their own body. I think of some of the other religions in in the world um, who um, women who aren't allowed to go to university, people who aren't allowed to have the uh, normal rights and freedoms that that Christ has offered us. So I think that that's where the the um, the gap between Heaven and earth comes together for me. Is that the world we need to understand and need to recognize that we are living in a fallen world and there was somebody who is in control of that. And that someone comes to rob, kill, and destroy us. And they will rob us of our money when we're running our businesses. They will rob us of they will kill off our family relationships. They'll kill off our self-esteem. They'll, they'll And, you know, it, they, he comes to destroy. Now, you can either say, and, and I'm talking about collective humanity here now, we can either say that we continue to go back and revisit and keep acknowledging his role in that because all of these things are his role. Or we can look to something higher. We can look to God and say, God, although Satan's got control over this at the moment, I know that you're really in charge. And I do believe that all things come together for Whatever God has in mind, and so I could never, ever in my life have thought about the plan that I see that has unfolded with with my life. But there had to come a certain point when I let go of the anger and the aggression and the hatred, and the you know all those things which made me an ugly spirit, to let God take control and reform me, reshape me into somebody that I'm actually that I actually quite like now. Um, I didn't always I have to tell you so I I would like to I understand that your interest is in is is in your indigenous community but I'd like you to think about lifting it up to the human perspective.
1: But let me just throw you into the deep end once more here, Christina, because we've just seen the religious discrimination bill. It's actually, you know, it's now dead in the water, as we've been discussing a little earlier today. And knowing it won't be debated in the Senate, there's a couple of possibilities uh, for when that religious discrimination bill could come back into the Senate, perhaps late March, around the time of the budget. But it looks at this time dead in the water. And so as Christians, we might be thinking, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Some will be recognising the uncertainty that that brings. Uh, let me just bring you in here and uh, in the deep ends. Uh, how do we approach our religious freedom, those sorts of issues, as we move forward? What are your thoughts?
2: I think we have to press into them. I think we have to press into them hard. Um Are we a Christian or are we uh, just someone who says that we're a Christian? The only way that the world can see that we're Christians is in how we behave. And if we behave um, in ways that uh, that send messages to other people that they're not quite good enough or that they don't make it, in other words, if we're judgmental, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, if we're judgmental, well, that's contrary to the way that God wants us to act anyway. So it doesn't really matter um, who we think we are. The important thing is how we make other people feel. And if we help other people feel that they are accepted and loved and uh, that they are included, then we shouldn't have too many difficulties getting this religious discrimination bill across the line. And I don't think it is dead in the water. I think it's a not yet.
1: Not yet. And uh, when we talk about the behaviour, now this is an interesting element. Sometimes we would say that our beliefs will shape our behaviour. It does also seem, when you're being a little pragmatic about that, But sometimes the way we behave shapes not only our own beliefs, but the beliefs that others have. So... Uh, Changing your behaviour important here and as we're talking whether it's indigenous issues or whether we're talking this issue now around religious discrimination, the behaviours are important because every minority has at its heart some sort of cause. Sometimes they present themselves as victims and getting out of that victimhood is an issue around belief and behaviour as well. Behaviour and belief, Where, where do you think the Christian church is? Uh, Christians who are facing an uncertainty with the uh, dead-in-the-water religious discrimination bill. What are, what, what are your thoughts on behaviour and belief here?
2: So I'm going to try and make it really practical. I think that this religious uh, bill <clears throat> at this point of time is very timely because it puts the agenda back on the... It puts, it puts uh, the Prime Minister back on the agenda in terms of um, what he really stands for. <clears throat> and we can either back him in that... Or we can uh, join the rest of the world in criticising him in that. For those of us who believe what he believes, and re- remember that he is part of the Christian family, just as you and I are, Neil. And uh, you know, um, it doesn't matter who you are in the world, or who you've been, or what crowns you've worn, or what rags you've worn. Um, if you if you belong to God, then you belong to God's family, and he doesn't he doesn't play favourites. So um, he's. Uses some of us for different reasons. You, with your fabulous booming voice and the way that you can wrap yourself around difficult concepts, and you do it day after day, year after year. It's your voice that's out there, and you—you know—you're representing 2020 Christian radio and bringing it to people who would never hear some of the wonderful things that you that you organise. Um, for me, it's it's about managing change. It's about having had a difficult life and having turned it from. Um, porridge into something that I'm proud of um, having a family that I love having uh, a business that I adore having a God that I know that I can trust so for other people it's up to them as to what they want to get out of life so the point is really as a Christian we are called uh, to understand that love is what is what our life is supposed to be about and love is not some sort of a passion because passions are emotional things love is a choice you know, when your husband steps on your toes, it's a choice whether or not you let him get away with it. Or when somebody doesn't, you know, do the things that you want them to do to fix up your property. It's a choice to, to, to continue to care for that person even though they're not quite meeting your needs meeting your needs. Um, it's 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 really about who are you really? If you are still behaving as if you don't know God, then can you truly say that you're a Christian? Um, and I, I have struggled with that. And I have struggled with that in my home group. And I say, well, what's the point of reading the Bible if you don't do what it says? Now, of course, some people might get a little offended by that. But at the end of the day, they come back to you and they say, you've got a point. So that's the point about the religious bill. I think that it's a not yet. I think it's on the agenda. I don't think it's going to go away. We as a Christian community and all the other religions who are also part of that bill are um, are who who stand to be either affected or disaffected by that bill impacted one way or another are going to have to somehow come together to collaborate to cooperate and say well okay fine do we just want to replace God with a whole bunch of new laws or can we just trust God and to to teach us how to live properly. So, you know, I don't know about you, but have you noticed how many new laws there are? We've got a law for this and a law for that and a law for this and a law for that. Yet the only book that you actually really need to read is the Bible. It's all in there. Love means care. Love means care. And it doesn't mean to say that you have to be passionately in love with this person or or, or whatever the case might be. But if the religions, if all of the religions, start talking to each other and saying, you know, we've all got a vested interest in this because we all stand to be coming under some sort of a law um, that may not work out very well for us, and and God will be marginalised, whether or not it's your God or my God or anybody else's God, that God will be marginalised, and so we have to decide whether or not we're going to have a society that's totally um, swept away by laws made by people who, in time, will disappear, or if we're just going to start stepping up and being the christians and the people of religions that we can actually really believe in that that actually is there to make us a better person
1: let's talk about a couple of concepts that you have raised so powerfully in these thoughts and uh, whether it's escaped listeners i don't know but uh, there are some words that you've been using trust and love And as you say, love is not necessarily uh, wishy-washy. I know that some of our political leaders use love, love is love, and it becomes a wishy-washy term. Love is actually a very powerful and strong term. And when you talk love and concern and care, uh, there's some practical demonstration of that too. How do you think that Christians, and anyone who's gone through tough times, uh, needs to establish that trust and understand more deeply love because the only way we're going to understand more deeply love is by having a biblical understanding of that. I know that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's called the love chapter. That's been a very powerful one for you. If you're talking about change and restoring confidence, restoring optimism, where does trust and love fit in all of that, Christina?
2: Well, um, first of all, you have to get rid of the bitterness that makes you want to do something other than love. And you need to get rid of the passion and the anger behind that bitterness. And there can't be any more shouting or insults or hateful feelings of any sort. Um, instead, we need to be kind and tender-hearted to one another and to forgive one another as God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. Now that might sound like it's very familiar. It's Ephesians 4, 31, 32. And I think that that is the difference between Um, being able to get over the pains of the past and being able to come together in a new unity where you listen to each other, where you honestly want to get on the same page with each other and decide whether or not you want to have a future with each other or not. If If you can come together without all that bitterness and passion and anger and shouting and insults, If you can put that aside and put that in the rear-vision mirror, then you've got a much better chance of having a conversation where you can start to learn to trust each other and where you can start to learn to care for each other. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's a mother and a daughter who are not seeing eye-to-eye and they have to go to get some counselling for it um, or whether or not it's a husband and a wife who don't see eye-to-eye who need to go off and get some professional counselling about it. Um you know there are there are no simple answers here. It's a you know, we have God who takes care of our soul, but at the end of the day, there are things that are buried away in our minds uh, that you know that that create the dramas for us. We keep reliving them. So that's where we need to go and get some really good professional counseling about those things because um you know, we, we can't we can't expect that we're just going to be able to get rid of all the pain and hurt just by talking to God all the time. He will he will certainly, help us in many ways, but he fixes our, heals our spirit. But there is also the element of the mind that needs to be healed. And sometimes you don't know what's going on in your own mind. You don't know where your bitterness and your passion and your anger comes from. It's just there. Um, I had an incident just a couple of weeks ago um, where um, um, I had had two, two trespass ep- episodes in my back courtyard and somebody tried to get into my back window. Mm-hmm. So I got pretty scared, um, and I thought, what's going on here? So when I spoke to my manager about it, she was less than interested. She said, well, did you have your door locked? And I said, yes. Of course I had my door locked, but that, yes. And she said, oh, well, um," and that was it. Two days later, I said, well, actually, what are you going to do about that? What do you want me to do about it? And she said, oh, nothing. There's no progress on it. And I said, well, how do you mean? And she said, well, there's no progress on it. And so I started to get angry because now somebody that I'm supposed to be able to talk to about my safety and security is not giving me, doesn't care, doesn't care. Now, that sort of scenario happens all the time where we have something that's a real concern to us, sometimes it grows out of proportion because we're really frightened. Sometimes we're not careful enough for ourselves. And we just need to talk to somebody who's actually going to sit, stop and listen and say, heck, how are you feeling about that? Well, I'm feeling frightened. All right, well, what are you doing about that? Are The next couple of questions. It's not, mm, tell somebody who cares. You know, it has to be more than that. So that's where the caring part comes in. But in our very busy, rushed lives where we start, to, where we're putting so much emphasis into a yet another bigger house or yet another bigger car or yet another holiday or whatever the case might be, we're putting our emphasis into places and in, into things that are transient instead of because, you know, um, like all of us who have now learned some of us who have lost businesses, some of who have lost marriages, some of who have lost our children, um, and all those sorts of things. We've lost our jobs, uh, we've lost our livelihood, we've lost our incomes, we've lost our self-esteem, we've lost uh, so much about ourselves over these last few years, we've lost loved ones. So we start to realise that those sorts of things, we've been putting a lot, we've been, been investing so much in those things. We're putting our trust in those things. And what I'm suggesting to you is that, my experience has been that as a result of putting my trust in those, they all got swept away because I haven't escaped COVID either. Um, and, and I have learned that the only place that I can put my trust is in the Lord. And he's the one that every morning I can wake up and say to him, thank thank you, Lord. Thank you for your constant love every morning and your faithfulness every night. Gosh, you've made us a great day. It's raining. Fantastic. The trees will be really happy and so will my garden. Or thank God. It's beautiful sunshine. Wonderful. We're going to have a lovely day. Thank you, Lord. And I do the same thing at night. And during the day, I do the same thing. I have learned I am such a nuisance to him. You know, he would be He would be saying, here she is again. What does she want this time? She just wants to say thanks. Oh, that's good.
1: Let's talk about hearing from God, mm. because I suspect uh, mm. that when we are in that angry phase, mm. We're feeling bitter about the things that have happened to us, all the bad things that are now distractions from recognising the love of God, recognising who we put our trust in, putting away all of those wood, hay and stubble things and, and holding on to those things that are precious. I suspect that if you are holding on to the bitterness and the anger about the bad things that have happened to you, you are not in a position of having a listening ear for God.
2: Any thoughts here? Well, as you were saying that to me, it sounds like somebody who's got a really bad dose of indigestion.
1: <laughs> okay, explain that. <laughs> well,
2: well, you know how I don't know if you've ever been to uh, to, 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 to a buffet where you, where it's an all you eat, all you can eat buffet, yep. and six or seven days later you're hungry again.
1: <laughs> okay. Yep.
2: <laughs> and in the meantime, between then and then and then and then, you you have this really bad dose of indigestion. I think that bitterness and passion and anger and insults, that's all just a bad dose of indigestion. And in the same way that you can get rid of a bad dose of indigestion, I can tell you from personal experience that I have had to get rid of a lot of bitterness and passion and anger. And I've had to stop shouting and insulting people too. So I'm not talking about somebody over there. I'm talking about me. And it's because I have lived through these things that I know that they work. So it wasn't until I did those things that I was able to heal several relationships that I've been able to do an awful lot more than I ever thought I could do. But most of all, that I can fe- wake up feeling to myself, you know, I'm actually quite happy.
1: It's a nice feeling. Let me ask you about whether you can do this on your own because if you're listening to our conversation then you're getting a bit of an evaluation about where you are and you think, I need to change, uh, how do you start that? Do you do it on your own or do you have to do that with someone else who might be going on the journey with you.
2: When you're, in, when you're in a case of indigestion, it takes somebody else to sort of say to you, have you thought that you might have some indigestion? You know, you seem to be pretty cranky these days or you seem to be pretty passionate and you seem to sort of run off at the mouth a lot or whatever the case. You don't seem yourself these days and you'll have people who will say it to you, oh, so gently, but they've probably been nursing it for months. They've probably been wishing to say to you, for heaven's sake, get over yourself. Just get back on the horse. Keep going. But they're trying to be gentle with you. Sometimes we're listening and sometimes we're deaf to it. So sometimes it takes um, something that's really um, that you're terrified of losing um, before you'll actually listen.
1: And if there is someone who we trust, we'll be happy if they are uh, straight talkers. They'll tell us exactly. Hey, let's take one more call. James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hello, James. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Hi, Loretta. (laughs) Christina. Yes. (laughs) James. James, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, I just I thought because we had
4: uh, discussed a little bit of Aboriginal, I just did want to acknowledge the custodians of the land and just say that part of the thing that I'm thinking is I've had Aboriginal friends all my life. I've been told there's we have brown pigments in us, but you wouldn't know it if you saw me. But um, the the thing that's really God's really put across for me is perception. The way we perceive things um i had a friend he was going into a store he told me about he went into the store and the people started swearing they didn't come to serve him they stood behind the counter they treated him terribly he's quite a quite dark brown man but uh he i went in the store and they did exactly the same thing to me so i tried to encourage him i said to my friend i said this is this isn't you it's not you don't let their problem become your problem they treated me just the same way they stood two men behind the counter didn't come and serve us um, but they swore and they said all these terrible things, that, but it was his perception. It's that thing of, like another story, a friend of mine, we were going to go to a restaurant and, and, I, and I said to them, Can, will you come with me? And they said, oh, look, we can't look at the way we dress. And I said, let's not go there because they have the right to choose whether we're good enough. Let's go there and choose that we have the right, that we're good enough, but that, that, not that they're good enough, and see what they do. If they kick us out, well, then we don't go back. But they didn't. They accepted us. They accepted us with that change of thought, with that perception to say, hey, we're not coming here because we want to find out if we're good enough for you. We're coming here to see if we to if find out whether uh, you're good enough for us. And, 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 no, There's I an
1: attitude in all of that, James. And uh, interesting way that you're expressing things here is that you can't control what everybody else feels about you. Uh, you've only got control over how you feel about yourself. And uh, you could do that in a selfish way, but you could bring God into that circumstance and say, it's God who gives me this identity that I have, and he's the one that gives me value. And therefore, I'm going to walk in that. Uh, a thought or two here from Christina.
2: Gosh, I like your style. You are, you, thank you so much for your call <clears throat> because you're telling me, uh, you're feeding back to me what I meant when I said, you know, you can control your mind. And what you have said—it's not about me; it's about them. And good for you. That's exactly what it's about. If we if we took on board everything that other people think about us or say about us or say to us, um, because it's their perception, well, you know, we'd all be basket cases. But it's great that you've 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 grasped that, and I would encourage you to keep doing that because it's not about them; it's about you. Um, you know, you taking control of 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 uh, of how you get through life. Um, there's a there's a beautiful verse it says because be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts and you're living it Don't let other people shape your thoughts. You're shaping your thoughts. Good for you.
1: James, thank you so much for your call. (coughs) And uh, we're running out of time for our conversation now. And uh, I do want to, I mean, there's so many things we could have talked about. And I'm glad that there's been some direction that listeners have taken us into and uh, put us into the deep end in some sense here. And it's been wonderful to be able to get some thoughts, uh, Christina, on these areas. You've actually got some tips for people on, you know, some like I think you've got a 12 step plan or something on on how you you know you bring about change from the circumstances that you've had we were talking about restoration of optimism and some level of confidence when you've taken a hard uh, you know had a hard couple of years you've taken a hit whether it's business or your job or your family uh, those sorts of things i mean we can't go through the 12 points but is there somewhere that listeners can go and find where those 12 points might be available to look at
2: sure they can they can look me up on linkedin Uh, My name is Christina Dean, and uh, if you find me on LinkedIn, the name of my company is Uniforte, so if you look up uh, Organisational Change Management on LinkedIn, I'll be the person that pops up. And there is a good article there about hope and enthusiasm, so you can download it from there. Um, I'd love to hear your comments to it, or you can go to my website at uniforte.com.au. That's U-N-I-F-O-R-T-E dot com dot au. It's also there, so you can have it there too. So everything that we've talked about today, it... I've talked about the greater part of humanity, and but but I really want to narrow it down into the business area. Everybody that works in organisations, we're all just part of the Great Grey Sponge. It's just that we go to different places to work. But at the end of the day, everything that I've said here today applies to organisations as well. You know, if we have organisations that are filled with anger and bitterness and passion and anger and, and insults and all that sort of stuff, we're going to have division. And, you know, that makes Satan laugh his head off and it destroys businesses um, so, you know, unity is the key to anything. Um, having a way to find pl- ways in which you can come together and work together toward the common goals that you as a business face or that you as a family face or that you as a church face, you must get rid of the other first before you can allow a place for you can collaborate and cooperate and be successful together.
1: Wonderful stuff, Christina. Whether you are in business or whether you've got a leadership team in whatever organizational uh, uh, spectrum that you might have in your influence, the things that you are doing get together, be unified, and uh, find a sense of trust. And love for one another and then how you relate to all of those other outside factors that are impressing upon your business or your organisation. Let me point people to that website, uniforte.com.au. That's U-N-I-F-O-R-T-E dot com dot A-U. You can connect with Christina Dean and also on her LinkedIn page too, Uniforte. dot A-U. Christina, thanks so much for coming in. And, uh, and you know, we were in the deep end. Uh, we didn't cover some of the ground we thought we would. But thank you so much for uh, for sharing some wonderful wisdom in a whole lot of areas today on 2020.
2: Thank you for having me.